Section 84 of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Nather. The World's Story, Volume 10. England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 84. The Island of Saints and Scholars. 7th and 8th centuries by patrick weston joyce in ancient ireland religion and education went hand in hand so that in tracing their history it is impossible to separate them by far the greatest part of the education of the country was carried on by or under the direction of priests and monks who always combined religious with secular teaching from the middle of the sixth century schools rapidly arose all over the country most of them in connection with monasteries some had very large numbers of students for instance we are told that there were three thousand under st finan at clonart and some other schools such as bangor had as many a few of the students resided in the college such as sons of kings and chiefs and those who were literary foster children of the professors but the most usual arrangement was that each student lived in a little hut of wood and sods built by himself or perhaps two or more joined and built a more commodious house for common use whole streets of these little houses surrounded the monastery the huts of the scholars of st movi of glasnevin near dublin extended along the banks of the river tolka near the present bridge at stated times the students came forth in crowds to hear the lectures of the professors which were often given in the open air in all the more important schools there were students from foreign lands the majority were from great britain from which they came in fleet loads as aldehelm an english bishop of the year seven hundred and five expressed it numbers also came from the continent among whom were some princes alfred king of northumbria and dagobert the second king of france both when in exile in the seventh century found an asylum and were educated in ireland and others of like rank might be named we get some idea of the numbers of foreigners from the words of angus de Caldee, an irish writer of the ninth century who mentions by name many of the romans gauls germans britons and even egyptians all of whom died in ireland venerable bede describing the ravages of the yellow plague in six hundred and sixty four says quote, this pestilence did no less harm in the island of ireland many of the nobility and of the lower ranks of the english nation were there at that time and some of them devoted themselves to a monastic life others chose to apply themselves to study the scots willingly received them all and took care to supply them with food as also to furnish them with books to read and their teaching all gratis in the course of three or four centuries from the time of st patrick ireland became the most learned country in europe and it came to be known by the name now so familiar to us insula sanctorum et doctorum the island of saints and scholars in these great seminaries all branches of knowledge then known were taught they were in fact the models of our present universities and besides those persons preparing for a religious life great numbers of young men both native and foreign the sons of kings chiefs and others attended them to get a good general education laymen who distinguished themselves as scholars were often employed as professors in the monastic schools 
One of the most eminent of the professors in the College of Monaster Boys was Flan of the Monastery, a layman of the eleventh century, several of whose poems, as well as his book of Annals, are preserved. But some few schools were purely lay and professional, for law, medicine, poetry, or literature, and these were taught generally by laymen. At these colleges, whether clerical or lay, they had various degrees, as there are in modern universities. The highest was that of Olaf, or doctor, and there were Olafs of the several professions, so that a man might be an Olaf poet, an Olaf historian, an Olaf builder, etc., just as we have now doctors of law, medicine, literature, and music. The full course for an Olaf was twelve years. The lower degrees had shorter periods. Men of learning were held in great estimation and much honoured. They had many valuable allowances and privileges, and an Olaf sat at table next to the king or chief. Great number of Irishmen went to teach and to preach the gospel in Great Britain, Wales, and Scotland. The Picts of Scotland, who then occupied the greatest part of the country, were converted by St. Columba and his monks from Iona, and the whole western coasts of England and Wales abound in memorials of Irish missionaries. The monastery of Lindisfarne in Northumbria, which became so illustrious in after ages, was founded in 634 by Aidan, an Irish monk from Iona, and for thirty years after its foundation it was governed by him and by two other Irish bishops, Finnan and Colman, in succession. So we see that Mr. Lecky had good reason for his statement that, quote, England owed a great part of her Christianity to Irish monks who laboured among her people before the arrival of Augustine, end quote. Whole crowds of ardent and learned Irishmen travelled to the continent, spreading Christianity and general knowledge among people ten times more rude and dangerous in those days than the inhabitants of these islands. What, says Eric, a well-known French writer of the ninth century, what shall I say of Ireland, who, despising the dangers of the deep, is migrating with almost her whole train of philosophers to our coasts? Irish professors and teachers were in those times held in such estimation that they were employed in most of the schools and colleges of Great Britain and the continent, and Irish teachers of music were quite as eminent and as much sought after as those of literature and philosophy. We know that Charlemagne, who was crowned Emperor of the West, A.D. 800, held the learned men from Ireland in great respect, and often invited them as guests to his table, and half a century later, Johannes Scotus Erigena, i.e. John the Irish Scot, the greatest scholar of his day, was on terms of affectionate intimacy with Charles the Bold, King of France. To this day, in many towns of France, Germany, Switzerland, and Italy, Irishmen are venerated as patron saints. Nay, they found their way even to Iceland, for we have the best authority for the statement that when the Norwegians first arrived at that island, they found there Irish books, bells, croziers, and other traces of Irish missionaries. For four or five hundred years after the time of St. Patrick, the monasteries were unmolested, and learning was cultivated within their walls. In the ninth and tenth and the beginning of the eleventh century, science and art, the Gaelic language, and learning of every kind were brought to their highest state of perfection. But a change for the worse had set in. The Danish inroads broke up most of the schools and threw everything into disorder. 
then the monasteries were no longer the quiet and safe asylums they had been they became indeed rather more dangerous than other places so much did the danes hate them and learning and art gradually declined in ireland there was a revival in the time of brian boru but this too was arrested by the troubles of the anglo-norman invasion End of section 84